Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. I'm Aaron, and way over there is Brian. Hey, over here! <laughs> and welcome to episode 7 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive and tornado-blown Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. There's been a lot going on the last few weeks, so today we have a special all-news and commentary episode. But before that, we need to uh, talk about our sponsors. Yep, it's always good. It's been amazing, Aaron. Ever, ever since we got a few people starting to listen to it, we started getting sponsors sort of flooding us, which I hate to use that analogy since we just went through tornadoes here, but flooding us with you know wanting to get on the show or at least have us plug them. So today's, uh, today's latest sponsor is a company called Cloud, Cloud Concierge. I should probably get their name right since they're a sponsor. So Cloud Concierge, basically they are a CIO's one-stop shop for requesting, deploying cloud across any business. So CIOs are confused. They don't know what to do, but they just basically want the easy button. So these guys are the easy button. It's not a portal. It's not any sort of outsourcing. It's exactly as the name implies. It's their own cloud concierge, 24 by 7, 365 days a year. So it's there when you have those complex cloud computing requirements. And their website is www.thecloudbutler.com, and their tagline is concierge is hard to spell. So www.thecloudbutler.com, but they're called Cloud Concierge. Great to have them as a sponsor. Love having those guys, and they help us pay the bills. Awesome. Thank you very much. And with that, let's get on to the news. So let's get to the news. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff today. We're going to pretty much dedicate the show to the news. So the first set of stuff we're going to talk about is all business related. We had some acquisitions. We had some people moving into new businesses. We had some people getting out of businesses. And then we had a couple of interesting things in terms of where your information, where your where your data, and more importantly, where your money is going to go. So let's, let's just sort of start going through the list. Obviously, as we always do with the show, these will all be in the show notes. They'll be on the website so people can go back and look at the links that we're talking about. But let's sort of knock through these. I'll go through a couple. You can give me your take on them. You can go through a couple. You can give me your take on them or, or my take on them. First one, Cisco decided to get further into the management of cloud and, and, and private cloud and public cloud and hybrid cloud business. They acquired NewScale, and that closed this week. I think that's going to become part of their intelligent automation for cloud business. It'll integrate with the title acquisition they had. It'll also, NewScale obviously won uh, VMware's product of the year at last year's VMworld, so it also integrates with vCloud Director, integrates with platforms like BMC. So an interesting move for Cisco to get more into the cloud management space. What I really like about this is, is Cisco is showing some nice thought process here in the fact that they really are trying to build out that orchestration and automation layer. And not just from a virtualization standpoint as well. Of course, being at its core a networking company, a, a lot of hardware integration as well as virtualization integration in the products. And I, I think it's a great move for them. And I think it was very positively received on Twitter as well. I know when it announced there's a, a lot of people just give them a lot of accolades for, for a good acquisition. Sometimes when you do these acquisitions and, and you know it gets announced and there's just silence and everyone's it's because everyone's just kind of sitting there scratching their head going, why the hell did they just buy them? But <laughs> yeah, you, you, definitely, you definitely don't want your news headline to say, meh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So, cool. So, one acquisition down. The next thing that was sort of interesting was a couple of cloud storage companies, if you will. On one side, you had Iron Mountain, who is a uh, storage provider, service provider, sort of deciding to get out of the public cloud storage business. And then you had Certus 
deciding, basically Certus being a cloud gateway company. They provided an appliance, a piece of hardware that went on-premise that would front-end a number of public cloud services like AWS and, and other services. They are sort of in a state of flux, but in essence, from what we hear, they're kind of getting out of the business or they're rethinking their business. So interesting take on where public cloud storage is going any uh any thoughts is this is this a business that you know we saw mosey getting moved around a couple weeks ago mosey raising prices six months ago i mean is this a business that people can't figure out the economics of or is these just data points that say hey some some guys know what they're doing and some folks are going to struggle well i think it's it's probably a little bit of an industry in its infancy and trying to figure out what the heck's going on. I, I will say this. I was a huge fan of the Certus model and the, the concept of uh, an appliance on site, but yet uh, something in the cloud as well. And, and to severely oversimplify it, and you know, m- my apologies to the Certus people who, if they ever hear this, will just go, oh my God, he's so wrong. But, <laughs> but to overly simplify it, you know, it's almost like the idea of Dropbox, right? Where you've got some local stuff and then you've got some cloud stuff. And the, the idea of syncing everything back and forth, uh, that is actually a, a model that some people may get more comfortable with over time because it's a model. Again, it's, it goes back to the most basic concept. It's a model people are already comfortable with. And if you are cut off from your cloud, right? Some people don't like that 100% cloud, nothing on my site, because what if you're cut off? It may not happen often, but what if it does? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think those models sort of have, whether they can figure out the economics of them, you know, price per gigabit or how they store it, is it thin, is it thick, whatever. I think that model has interesting legs in two places. One is you see some different companies like Oxygen Cloud and some other people like Amazon's doing their thing with, what is it called, Cloudbox or whatever it's called, uh, you know, for music and things. I think if you can figure out a way to tie it in so that it's tied into mobile, but it's also tied into your laptop so you can get it at work or you can get it at home or when you're on the road, like that's really important. And I think the the user experience will be a big deal, right? Which people are still trying to figure out. But the other thing, and I wrote about this in a blog, I don't know, a few months ago, like I wouldn't be surprised at some point people will figure out this technology because Certus isn't the only guy in that sort of appliance space. But if you're, let's say you're a reseller and you're going in for a deal and you're going to sell like local compute because you want application performance and you're going up against other resellers that are going to bring in a big SAN or a big set of JBOD disk or something. And in essence, you're going to the customer and saying, yeah, I can provide you that much storage, but my cost is going to be vastly cheaper because in essence, what you're doing is you're sort of faking them out. And that, that sounds wrong if you're, if you're in the sales cycle, but, but you're sort of faking out the servers to go, the storage is semi-local. It's really just cached, and, but it lives somewhere else but the cost of it overall to the end user if the experience is right you know could be a significant sort of game changer in terms of like systems integrators and resellers putting together packages so that was sort of the other interesting thing about certus or that model to me and we'll see if it ends up playing out uh, over time but you know for now Hopefully, hopefully the folks that were at Certus uh, get back on their feet. Guys like Dave Graham that we know, you know, it's part of the industry that's still trying to figure itself out. The other thing, a couple other ones here real quick. Level 3 bought Global Crossing. So, in essence, trying to become the global uh, source of all bandwidth. I guess that's 
probably a good thing for them because people are using tons and tons of bandwidth. We're all anybody who's an iPhone user is seeing things from Apple or not from Apple from AT and T basically, you know, talking about bandwidth caps and, and, and higher charges for bandwidth. So, you know, obviously the people in the bandwidth business because of mobile devices, because of cloud computing, because of things being free and so forth, the bandwidth obviously isn't free. And these guys decided that to be to remain competitive in their business, they needed to consolidate, which I think we see from time to time in our industry when things get really distributed, lots of cool things happen, and then people that have to deal with the economics have to pull it all back together and go, okay, hang on, i got to actually make some money on this. Um, <laughs> right, right. So, And, and uh, I'll add this as well. The, look at, if you, if you are listening to this and you're interested in this, go look at the graphic in the link because it actually has a, a world map and it has all of the, the, the major fiber lays in the world and where all the cables are. And it's actually really interesting in the fact that you can tell, with the exception of uh, one or two cables across the Atlantic, they are very much mutually exclusive. And I never really realized that. I, I just kind of figured that it was more of a competitive market and they had some overlapping things, but they really don't. And at first, when I first heard about this, I was kind of like, ah, Monopoly, Monopoly, ah, this kind of sucks. You know, they're going to raise the prices and end of the day if you look at the map there isn't a lot of overlap and so if you can combine the companies and somehow use some economies of scale to drive down the prices that may not be a bad thing now of course if they're the only ones around they have no incentive to drive down prices so right, right. there's a flip side <laughs> yeah and, and they're obviously competing against the, the big incumbents the cable companies and the the telcos and so forth who have right aways and have you know sort of government subsidies or for various things so interesting markets not something that we necessarily pay a ton of attention to but obviously we're we're all uh users and, and we use bandwidth like we drink water and we, we breathe oxygen. So um, hopefully, if nothing else, it drives more bandwidth to our house. <laughs> right. Uh, you want to jump into the section that uh, where we're seeing companies uh, making massive investments into cloud? There's a lot of money floating around, man. Do we want to talk about the um, the poker sites? Yeah. Oh, actually, that's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, you know what? The heck with the heck with worrying about where your actual data and ones and ones and zeros are. Let's yeah, talk. We'll, let's talk some money. Let's, so, let's talk poker. Go so ahead. So you want to do it? You want me to do this? No, go ahead. All right, cool. The other one that was sort of interesting, and I don't know if people, you know, are going to consider this cloud since they call themselves online poker, but, you know, in theory it is delivered over the internet and it's on demand and uh, it's pay as you go or, uh, you know, lose as you go, however you want to look at it. Um, we'll look at it this way. So what is, what is a vendor's definition of cloud? Yeah. Right. Uh, and so a vendor's definition of cloud is anything that makes you money. Yeah. And these <laughs> exactly. Poker, these poker sites are making money hand over fist. And so yes. so by definition So this they, is so this is gonna be cloud. this is this is gonna be interesting because basically this this week the I think it's the US government, I'm pretty sure it's the US government, maybe a con- conglomerate of governments, basically seized the assets or the operations of three the, the three major online poker sites so full tilt poker pokerstars.net and absolute poker so for people that aren't totally sure about that that don't have you know degenerate gambling addictions these are the guys that you see all the time on ESPN when they do the World Series of Poker. Like these guys are tattooed and logoed all over the place on everybody. If you're an MMA fan, you see this a lot of times on the guy's shorts or you see it tattooed on their back. So not only is this a big deal because basically if you had money that was being basically saved for gambling up on these sites, you're it's probably lost, right? So forget about your data being lost, but your money's probably lost because um, it's going to get stuck in government bureaucracy forever or it's just going to get shut down. But, I mean, this is going to truly affect how much 
advertising you see on uh, on some of these things like MMA and on ESPN and and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, and, and the the MMA uh, a spokesman for it. They were they were worried about it because they are major sponsors and and as they put in the article, I want to say it was like the the sponsorship of these sites is equal to pretty much all their other major sponsors combined. And <laughs> so, what are the what are the ramifications? And then here's the but here's the other thing. I the first thing I thought of when I thought about all this, and who knows, maybe it's already there. And what's it going to take for them to pop up in some other country and then have some kind of proxy server that you know this the traffic goes to some other country and then gets routed somewhere else where it's legal and then goes back and uh, you know I don't know I, will it actually be shut down I, I don't know I, I kind of put it along the lines of like the torrent sites and stuff like that of yeah. if there is a market for it and it will make money they will figure out a way around the US government That's um, right. <laughs> so so I kind of saw this as like wow that's really interesting they actually shut somebody down I guess maybe that's the biggest thing about all this right well, is if they yeah, are actually they, successful in shutting somebody down <laughs> yeah yeah so I mean they haven't shut down Las Vegas before so this is probably just a temporary blip but if you've got your money out there you may not be getting it back so Anyways, so the other uh, another big section that's been going on in the news is the constant vendor announcements about making investments in the cloud, right? So not just M and A, but you know companies that that have money or you know want to be bigger players are are making investments in the cloud. You want to dive into that? The biggest one is VMware announcing Cloud Foundry, so open open source platform as a service and. One other thing I found really interesting about it is the ability to have a microsite, uh, the ability to load up a a micro cloud for development in-house and then be able to move that that out to hybrid or public cloud or, or of course, host internal private cloud uh, on a larger production infrastructure as well. So they, they they very much present it as the idea of seamless platform as a service and and you know develop once run anywhere kind of like the old, kind of like the old java thing i hope it works out better than java though you know for for Christ's sake i hate java um, yeah, hopefully it's not a million but- <laughs> yeah, well i mean it's 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 interesting for for well i mean like a million different reasons first and foremost hopefully it means we never have to hear Paul Moretz say hotel california you'll check your data in you'll never check it out because that analogy's been going on for 2 years and driving people crazy we, we need a new one paul we, we, yeah we need something new you know obviously if you're a developer i mean this sounds awesome right develop once in a whole bunch of very new languages so ruby java obviously cuz of spring source uh, php Node.js, which is sort of this emerging thing that we'll talk about probably in our next show. So you know that's obviously awesome. If if it you know if it works, you can port it from Amazon's cloud to Rackspace's cloud to your own private cloud. So that sounds awesome. How people are going to make money on this, I think, is going to be the, become the interesting thing, right? Is does this eventually make VMware into the you know does this make VMware into the red hat for open platform as a service? Is this good for VMware? Is this just bad for everybody else in the platform as a service business, like you know Salesforce, who they had partnered with a year ago around Force.com, or was it VMForce? I don't know. That that stuff's all still up in the air. Right. Yeah. And that's even with a crystal ball. I don't know that we'll solve that issue. But here's the other thing I look at, and this kind of ties into the rest of the stories: is will there be room for the little guys? Uh, because Historically, 
you'll have a lot of these smaller companies doing startups and going and getting uh, venture funding and, and doing their thing and eventually getting bought and folded into the larger companies has typically been the model over the years. But now you're starting to see these larger companies just jump in and not with millions of dollars, but with billions of dollars. Right. And they're jumping in right away. To kind of tie that into some of the other articles, Dell has announced that, that they're going to invest a billion dollars into quote-unquote cloud. And Microsoft, it appears that the, the sleeping giant has awoken in, in, in the fact that they announced 90% of all of their R&D will be cloud-focused. Now, now, does what that, does that does, does that mean? Windows 10 for cloud will be right. out sooner. That's, you know, what, does, what that does that mean? Because you know they've got I don't know somewhere like a 10 billion dollar budget, right? And so if if you're taking if you're taking nine billion dollars and putting it into R and D and cloud, I mean, quite frankly, look out because that is money to burn, right? But but is that? But it, I mean, it also turning has- their operating systems and office into cloud and to keep those revenue streams from dying? Is it opening new markets? Is it platform as a service? Well, no, plus, no. plus it also asks another sort of interesting question. So like you said, it, let's say their R&D budget's $10 billion and they're now saying 90% of their R&D is going to cloud, right? So $9 billion or whatever the heck the number is. And the it, others goes to Xbox. It's, yeah, it goes to, it goes to Xbox, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it goes to Bob 2.0. But, I mean, here's, here's the question, right? They have Azure. They have ways to get you onto a Microsoft cloud today. Is this an announcement that basically says, oh, my gosh, we got all that wrong, and hence we're starting over? Or is this just a complete doubling down, and they're saying, look, that's where the whole business is going in. They're you know, getting out of the package software business. But, I mean, it, it almost feels like some sort of like complete reset, not just that the number's big, but I mean, they have stuff today, right? I mean, if you, if you want to move to Microsoft apps in the cloud, you know, forget about the commercials, but if you want to move to hosted exchange, hosted Microsoft apps, like you can run all those in Azure, you, you know, there's ways for programmers to do stuff in, in Azure, Azure, whatever it is. So I don't, like, it's, it's hard to figure those guys out what, where they're going with stuff. I mean, obviously the one thing they've got is they've got crap loads of money. So you can can make mistakes. It's always a little bit of who, who's scared of who, too. And if you think about it, uh, VMware, it, it could be said, is potentially uh, scared of some of the platform as a service and, and, and open things going on in the community. And then, but at the same way, Microsoft might be afraid of VMware and virtualization. And if, if they reach a point where they just completely fail on the virtualization front, and it is nothing but we're hosting all of your apps on some kind of virtualized environment. Right, yeah. and so it's it's it seems like everyone's afraid of the little guy, right? It, but little guy is all relative to your size. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the so. here, here's the other thing that that nobody talked about with Cloud Foundry, but I I think will be sort of interesting. So if, think about this: if I have a platform, you know, in essence, an environment that says you can develop any application you want against this platform, and the platform's going to live in a lot of different places. You're going to have uh, people that will set it up on Amazon. They may actually, you know, set up a business on Amazon. It's running platform that you can come to. My, uh, VMware is going to run their own version. They've, they've talked about whether or not that uses Mosey or not. Nothing was talked about, but I got to imagine at some point there's going to become, uh, in essence, an open app, an open pi- uh, platform as a service, open pause app store, right? Like what if I don't want to develop my own applications, but I'm willing to say, gosh, that seems like a a good environment to run on, I should run that internally as, say, an enterprise, for example, because then I can move it, but maybe I'm not going to employ 
the developers to do cool stuff. I just can't keep up with it or they're too expensive. I mean, I got to imagine there's going to be an app store for this, right? Somebody who's going to basically play middleman and say, yeah, if you want this app, come get it. There's a, also a um, an IBM uh, article in there again, and I've been talking more and more about IBM, and I don't know if it's just because of my own bias of having worked for the company, so I apologize to everyone. But something that was really interesting is there's some articles on they they have a slightly unique take on cloud from everyone else that I find interesting. And what it is is it's not just, hey, we're going to go do private cloud or we're going to go do public cloud or hybrid cloud, they're more looking at it as a services play. And so there's even an article, I don't know if it was directly stated by somebody from IBM or if this was just an article the analyst said, but IBM is offering integration as a service. And again, it's in my mind, it's a unique way to take IBM's strong point, their services organization, which is where they're making all their money right now, and turning cloud into something that they can leverage. A lot of the other vendors are trying to mold themselves to the cloud model, whatever that model may be. Most likely, you know, modeling after Amazon these days and and the the public cloud. But IBM is actually looking to, hey, how can we twist this, put a different spin on it, and at the same time make it unique to where it fits in nicely to our existing revenue streams. And that's that's actually pretty cool. I, I really respect them for doing that. Will it be successful? I have no idea. But I actually like the fact that it's an interesting, different take. I think the IBM Cloud thing is sort of their IBM Cloud 2.0 announcement, right? We're sort of rebooting <laughs> some stuff we did, and, and Cloud Burst yeah. kind of went out with a, a bang and then fizzled, and you really, nobody if really... You're, yeah. you never, if you're a Cloud you never Burst customer, it. raise your hand. Yeah, you never, you never <laughs> saw it. Nobody ever had it. You know, and, and, and there was folks on, on, the, on the Twitter tubes and Verse and so forth that were kind of panning it because you went to their website, you wanted... they, they touted as being a uh, Amazon Web Services kind of killer or competing with that. And then you went to the website and they were like, well, you need to sign up for it. You need to get an, you need to, you know, give us a bunch of information about yourself. We will call you back and then we'll send you something via the mail, some paperwork, and then you'll have to pay for a contract. And everybody was going, uh, blah, blah, blah. This isn't cloud, yada, yada, yada. But I, I think you're right. At the end of the day, people that are IBM customers, like really big IBM customers, their thing isn't like I'm into every cool thing about the technology. They're basically in the IBM can do stuff for me. I trust my business to IBM. And yeah. this is just a new set of delivery models, right? Just like they went from mainframe was a delivery model to, uh, you know, minis and, and, and PCs was a delivery model for IBM services. And then it was all IBM services, you know, just putting people on site. This is just another delivery model for it. Technology-wise, will it ever work? I don't know, right? Cloudburst wasn't the best thing out of the gate, but I, I like I almost look at it as they're not the guys to sort of pan as being like, oh, they're not cool enough because they've never been in the we're trying to be the coolest guy in the block. They've been in the I'm your I'm your trusted business partner. Right. So exactly. you know, yes, your cloud will show up via UPS truck, but it will probably work. And you know, if you're an IBM customer, you just renewed your contract. Right. Keep it. Yes. Keep it simple. So we'll see. <laughs> we will see. Yep. Uh, so to, to move on here, though, we've got in the last section, we have some articles about the changing business models. And, and what I mean by that is from the consumer to the VAR or value added reseller to the distributor to the vendor. 
and how does open source and, and, and public cloud play in with all of this, right? And so there's an article um, that is linked here about how is this model changing from a, a VAR's point of view or a business partner's point of view? And, and so first of all, the, I, open disclosure, they actually linked to us from our, la, uh, our actually two episodes ago with Steve Kaplan. And so, hey, if you link to us, you get a plug on the show. Yay, CNET. But I will say this, even without that, the, the article really resonated with me because I have um, a background at a vendor supporting the distributors, worked for a reseller. And so I, I follow this channel and the implications of the channel very closely. And he hit the nail on the head of this concept of cloud, whether it's private or public, because a lot of people focus on the public that, hey, if it's public cloud, I'm going to go give my credit card to Amazon, cut out everyone, and, and if you're a reseller or you're a vendor, you, you're just completely up shit's creek. But if you are actually doing private cloud, well, there's a lot of implications there as well of a lot of business partners get a lot of their revenue streams from from professional services and and if you're delivering me a turnkey completely all in one box that you you just boot it up and it goes and does its stuff right well there's some professional services that that business partner isn't getting anymore yeah. and and there is you know that that obviously makes things better on the bottom line of the customers which is a good thing in the end but you're affecting some very traditional models that have been in effect for years with everyone kind of, hey, I, you know, give me my couple percent, right? And so over time, that could get very ugly. And sometimes there's some resistance uh, to change, right? It's, it's kind of like, I don't know, the recording industry or uh, the MPAA and all, you know, all these video online um, streaming and all the, the muck muck because you're, you're messing with traditional business models. And yeah. I find that very fascinating. No, I, I think you're right. I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So I think you're absolutely right. I mean, any anytime you you have a value chain there from vendor through you know say distributor to var to customer or something along those lines, anytime somebody wants to sort of cut somebody out of it or or take some piece of their pie out of that, it, it's 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 obviously going to uh, wrinkle some wrinkle some people's brows about what's going on. But it's it'll be interesting to see. At the end of the day, it's about kind of how the customer wants to get what they get. And in some cases, you know, your analogy for, say, the recording, you know, for like the recording industry, well, people don't necessarily need to go to the record store. They can just go to iTunes or something. And the record companies are ticked because, you know, there was, there was revenue in, involved or the record companies were ticked or the record stores were ticked. But, you know, for a user, you were like, wow, that's much easier. Or if it's like the newspaper industry. I don't need to get a piece of paper anymore. Uh, my paper boy didn't provide much value. But, you know, if you're an end user, maybe that's useful. But in this case, like if you're if you're a business, that VAR may provide you a tremendous amount of value, right? They avoid having to keep up with technology because of you. They, you know, can call somebody to fix stuff. So technology-wise, yeah, is it ridiculously easy to deliver a service, i.e. software as a service to a business? Yeah. But will it will it take? I don't know. I think what we're going to see, and like I got a I got a thing in the mail the other day from a basically a local VAR that's that's hosting a roadshow with Google, and so they're basically saying, hey, we're we are pushing Google Apps, and you look at that and you go, wow, that's kind of interesting because the Google Apps just kind of work by themselves, but 
Uh, I'm sure somewhere in there, maybe they're getting a recurring revenue stream because they were the source of it. So in essence, they're they're acting as a as a sales channel and referral you know, fees, referral fees, and maybe they're doing some integration. Maybe they're doing some integration between Google Apps, which have obviously a set of APIs that you can write to, or you know they've built a couple of their own applications. So you know it's just like what we talked about with Steve Kaplan. I think the VAR is constantly or even the distribution channel because we've heard of people selling you know kind of cloud stack platforms platform as a service infrastructure as a service to distribution channels those guys are constantly going to be looking to how can i cut somebody out how much of my mix should be direct you know indirect uh referral recurring revenue and and i think the thing that we heard from steve was like they just live in constant change so it's just a matter of trying to get in front of the next curve but yeah, I think you, I think you hit it at the nail on the head. It's it's the the technology's there to to potentially cut those guys out. And obviously, we see some of the the, the technology companies like a Dell or an HP or an IBM who are saying, you know, we're going to offer our own clouds. We can go direct. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to keep coming back to do customer. Is that what customers want? And the jury's still out, right? Yeah, agreed. So, um, agreed. And the last article we we have in the we will have in the show notes is an article along those same lines. It comes from Beaker, and it is really a, a very good read about open anything, right? Open stack and a lot of these other technologies and an, um, a, a dilemma of leading the pack, right? And what happens if you're, you are leading the pack, but at the same time, some of these vendors are kind of nipping at your heels. Um, and so it's a very, very interesting read. I don't, did you have a chance to read it, Brian? I've, I've, yeah, I've read through parts of it. You know, Chris's stuff is always super fast-paced. And, and I, I, I say that <laughs> yeah. for, for anybody who doesn't know. So when we say Beaker, Beaker is his, his name on Twitter. Is, oh, yeah. is, right. uh, you know, his official uh, sort of uh, birth certificate name is Chris Hoff super guru of cloud and security and you know so that's who we're talking about but yeah i looked at it and you know chris has always got a million thoughts going on so sometimes they're they're right you, you've got to read it four or five times to connect all the dots and i, I will say this reading reading a, a beaker post is a lot like reading a brad headland post and the fact that you have to read a little bit and then go think about it and then read a little bit and then go think about it or it takes like three or four passes to really digest everything. And, and, and that is a good thing. You know, there's, there's some people's posts out there where you just kind of read it and go, wow, this is just wall of text. Forget it. I'm out of here. Yeah. Basically our stuff, the stuff that we create. Yeah. And anything we put out. Right. Um, but, but the, these guys are really thought leaders in the industry and just some amazing insights into various technology aspects. And, well, and so definitely worth checking out because it, it, I, I thought, it, again, it kind of relates back to at the end of the day, where are we all going and, and how does that change the business models? Well, I think the one thing that Chris does really well is obviously there's a ton of things that, that pop out and they're hyped. And, you know, so it's open, cool this and it's, it's portable, flexible cloud that and whatever. And and he gets into it, and obviously he you know totally understands the technologies you know, at a really deep level. And then every once in a while he just goes, you know what, everybody, shut the hell up. You got to remember that people actually pay money for stuff, and people actually have to run their business. And this guy's afraid of that, or you know this is all hype and BS. And and I think he does a pretty good job in the article of basically saying, you know, every once in a while you need to step back and you need to freaking breathe, and you need to realize that like there's certain ramifications of of these things happening. And yeah. sometimes know. it's not technology for technology's sake. It's, 
It's solving business process and business issues and actually providing value to your customers and allowing them to run their businesses as opposed to, wow, this is really cool. I want to run this. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or sometimes it's like, you know, somebody makes an, you know, so I think he points out in the article about Facebook saying, hey, we're basically open sourcing our data center and we're open sourcing this compute platform. And obviously, because it's Facebook and people make movies about them and people spend part of their lives on there, it's it's interesting and it's cool. And then you step back and you go, big deal. Like people have been doing this for multiple years now. I mean, uh, you know, when I was at NetApp two or three years ago, they built a gigantic brand new data center that used, you know, outside air, airside economizers, no longer had raised floors. The heat just flew out the top of the building. Um, You had hot and cold aisles. I mean, like that stuff's not new. I mean, the fact that it's new to Facebook, well, okay, maybe they're two years behind. Or the fact that they're going to build compute platforms that don't have a shell to them that are, you know, trying to produce power and so forth. Okay, well, I could have gone on YouTube and seen how Google does that a year and a half ago. So sometimes you have to sort of go, uh, okay, so you made a news story out of it, but is it really a big deal? So to completely pick on Facebook for a little bit here, I don't like the terminology that they say they open sourced their servers and data centers. Yes, I I agree. They kind of made everything public, but at the same time, I think they're they're being given a little too much credit for basically things that have been out there for a number of years, and they're they're taking a different approach. And and that's great, and I'm glad that they decided to release this information to the industry. But at the same time, they're not the first person to do this. No, no absolutely not. So they're great at poking. They're great at uh, they're great at creating <laughs> virtual farms and stuff like that. But uh, great at uh, stealing your data and and sending it to advertisers. No, just kidding. Yeah, but you know the fact that they have a, <laughs> they, the fact that, I mean the fact that they have a green data center in Oregon. Okay, join the join the join the club, right? Go down the Columbia River. There's a whole bunch of them. So it's. Uh, I, I think. I think. I think getting back to what you were originally talking about, Chris does a really good job of sometimes throwing a bucket of cold water on people and going, "Hey, hang on a second. It's not that cool. There's 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 more to life than than the hype you created." So, right. Kudos to him. Uh, we need to get him on at some point in time, but he's a busy dude, and uh, we're we're way down in the food chain. So we'll see if we ever can get him on the show. Agreed. So that's a, that's a that's a that's a lot of news. Hopefully, people can, can digest it and consume it, and something of it was useful for them. So, yeah, let's wrap it up. Thanks again to everybody who listens uh, every week. We really appreciate it. We we try and learn something. Hopefully, we give you guys something to learn. And uh, feel free to give us comments. If um, you know, once in a while, we get people that go, eh, "I like this" or "I don't like that." Just send us the comments. We like to hear them. We'll try and make it better. But. Uh, Absolutely. We're, we're still learning, and uh, we're still going through the process, and, and, and quite frankly, we're still having fun doing it. That's it for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet, or reach us at thecloudcast.net, where you'll find links to the show and show notes. You can leave us a comment or send us an email, and details on how to stream us on Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.